Well, hello, and thank you for joining us for another podcast of the Gospel Rescue Mission. Today's audio comes from our Mission Live broadcast, which you can watch on YouTube or on Facebook live every Monday from 9 to 10. Um, Or you can just continue to listen and check out the audio that we've stripped off just for you here on the Mission Podcast. All right, so we invite you to listen. Another Mission Live. Thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, Brian Boteller from the Gospel Rescue Mission in Grants Pass, Oregon. Uh, Today, we have got a great show lined up for you. And uh, we have got, well, my production team is excited to be giving us all the cues. I don't know if they're back there. Can you see them? I, I don't know. Have we, have we got you back there on the screen? That's fantastic. Today, let me tell you, you know, here's the thing about the production crew. These guys make absolute magic happen, and they're they're totally above my pay grade when it comes to uh, how do you how do you work all this stuff. They're always kind of telling me, "Hey, look over here, look over there. Don't do this, don't do this. You know, don't say that, Bow Teller. You know, all that kind of stuff." Um, and they make it look seamless. Uh, <laughs> now they're telling me to wrap it up. Hey, uh, so this morning we have got uh, Matt. Roberts from the Bear Creek Greenway Project. He's going to be in with us to uh, to talk about just kind of what's going on with homelessness on the Bear Creek Greenway um, and kind of what's the impact that's happening there. We'll be talking, uh, we'll be showing the What's the Harm video that we did earlier, released earlier last year. We'll be also visiting with Linda, uh, one of our recent graduates from the uh, women's shelter, the, the Fixo Family Center here at the Gospel Rescue Mission. We've got a bunch of other things. We've got a ministry spotlight, book, book review, all kinds of good things. So uh, make sure you stay around and check it out. All right. Well, I think we're going to do our, our um, move for the What's the Harm video. <laughs> check it out, and, uh, and then we'll get back with Matt. Protecting the homeless as a class of people is harmful to society, the environment, and mostly to the homeless themselves. Let me break it down for you. In the grand scheme of answering what would Jesus do regarding the homeless, I'm convinced that Jesus would teach them to fish rather than to hand them one. He's probably wondering why we, at least here on the West Coast, keep enabling and encouraging people who are created in His image to live far below their nature and ability, particularly when doing so is harming everyone involved. When God blesses a person, that blessing is never for them alone, but it's intended to bless society as well. Unfortunately, the direction society is going is failing at solving the homeless crisis by all objective measures, but we don't have to continue going this way. I was having a conversation with a young journalist when he said that he favored a low-slash-no-barrier approach to homeless shelters because he felt that it did the least amount of harm to the individual. Asking what I thought, I pointed out that when the approach in the community was either 
the mission or jail or move on to another town, we simply had far less homeless in Grants Pass. In other words, when they were told to come to the mission or move along, the homeless largely did, or they established camps that were located to be a minimal in their nuisance to the community. You know, he was shocked and he replied, so you think we should force people to leave homelessness? Well, I replied, we both believe that force is acceptable to use. We just disagree on how and on whom. I want to force those who can leave homelessness to do so. And you want to force society to pay to accommodate their choice to remain homeless. Today, the same idea of harm reduction is being employed in the rhetoric surrounding the issues of homelessness. Blending the words harm reduction with homelessness sure does sound more loving, at least on the surface. But if we're going to get excited about reducing harm, shouldn't we try to do it to the greatest number of people? And shouldn't we be willing to ensure that reducing harm for one doesn't actually cause harm to another? Insisting that others clean up after you and pay for the trauma that you create is surely not an act of love, but it's actually immoral and wicked. More often than not, the destruction caused by homelessness has an enormous negative impact on good law-abiding citizens and on the environment. Not only is it unloving, but accommodating such behavior is teaching irresponsibility. So let me describe three ways that it's unloving to society, to our environment, and to the homeless themselves. Number one, homelessness is unloving to society. It's unkind, unloving, and even harmful to force taxpayers to cover the cost related to the bad and rebellious choices of others. Law-abiding society already pays their fair share in funding law enforcement and its related expenses. Government is famous for being inefficient and ineffective at addressing the problem, particularly at the state and federal levels. They have a built-in spend it all or you don't get it next time process in virtually all of their so-called help programs rather than budget guidelines that incentivize financial savings. In the end, good citizens see their taxes get spent on enabling homelessness rather than reducing it. Number two, homelessness is unloving to the environment. The same people who have been complaining for decades now about the impending environmental catastrophes are strangely silent when it comes to the horrific harms to the environment caused by homelessness. The entire state laws have been changed to ban or greatly restrict the public use of plastic straws and grocery bags over environmental concerns. Yet the human waste created by the homeless that pollutes our waterways and air pollution caused by wildfires started by homeless get banned or protested by almost no one. The negative impacts of homelessness is easily a thousand times greater than that of the general public's use of plastic straws. But the answer is always 
make laws that force and inconvenience those who aren't really creating the problem to fix it. This is not right, and it's not addressing the real and often permanent damage to our environment. Number three, supporting what is soon to become the homeless class is unloving to the homeless people themselves. The Bible has no category divisions like class, and neither should we. Its writers recognize those who were poor, sojourners, aliens, and strangers, but it never placed people in fixed categories the way that we do today. Attempts at solving the homeless crisis by trying to persuade the public to fund and accommodate urban camping as a lifestyle choice can only be done by people who neither have nor would make such a choice themselves. Homeless camps are riddled with disease and crime where safety, security, and health are rare and fleeting. All of these problems only compound over time, so that the longer a person chooses to be homeless, the harder it is to have good options to choose from. Do no harm. It seems on the surface like a wonderful sentiment, and perhaps even a principle that could help guide decision making. Unfortunately, the idea will never work if we only focus on one group at the expense of society at large. And that is exactly what's happening all along the West Coast right now. This approach has only enabled the problem of homelessness to increase everywhere it's employed. Enabling homelessness this way can only lead to the demise of our communities and to the homeless themselves. But there's a better way. The Grants Pass Gospel Rescue Mission has made their focus limit their services to those who express a desire to leave homelessness for good. We immediately integrate them into a program designed to help individuals see their impact on others and incentivize them to care. We teach them about the stewardship of their time, talent, and treasures, and we build in good habits that can be carried along after they leave our program. Many of our residents go on to become strong contributors to our economy and society. And that is an approach that truly reduces harm to everyone. Bear Creek Greenway Recovery Project. And, um, you know, I have fallen in love with this, uh, your, I guess it's just a Facebook page. Just a Facebook really. page, yep. Um, but every time I see posts from it, every time I see just the, the awareness that you're raising to the community about what's going on, um, first of all, if, if somebody's from maybe from outside of our area and doesn't know what the Bear Creek Greenway is, maybe give us a quick what is the Bear Creek Greenway? 
The Greenway is actually a riparian pathway through the heart of Medford and most of the Rogue Valley, right. uh, tributary of the Rogue River. Mm -hmm. And it has been, it paved most of it, paved, uh, parked through most of it, yep. uh, allowing for bicycle riding and family walks and that kind of stuff. But over the past three, maybe four years, it's become a very, very prominent location for homeless camps and uh, and homeless people to, to make their they're permanent homes for the most part. For sure. And it's uh, it's become very much an eyesore, yeah. very much an environmental damage uh, or an environmental issue, yeah. uh, very much uh, a crime issue, yeah. neighbor neighboring neighborhoods. And, and it's an economic issue. It's the first thing people see when they drive down I-5. Right, right. If you're driving through Southern Oregon from Ashland all the way up through probably Rogue River almost, mm -hmm. you know, at least through Gold Hill, mm -hmm. um, you, you can follow, you're, you're kind of following the Bear Creek Greenway Absolutely. in a lot of ways. Um, and it's, it's beautiful. I mean, in, in Southern Oregon, we've got the Rogue River, which is really kind of the heart of Southern Oregon. I mean, a lot of this community is, has been built around it. Um, it is world-renowned for steelhead fishing and salmon fishing. Um, it is, I, I mean, if, if you grew up in Southern Oregon, this is, man, we've rafted down Tubed it. And we, rafted. We've yeah. fished on it. We've had all kinds of fun along the Rogue River and all of its tributaries, where, mm -hmm. you know, along the way as well. Um, whether it's the Applegate River or the Illinois River or, or, or um, you know, just Elk Creek or any right. of that kind of stuff. Um, so, so and in, in right downtown, in particular in downtown Medford, there is um, Hawthorne Park, which, right. which parallels, you know, I mean, it's kind of absorbed part of the Bear Creek Greenway in, in a sense there. Yeah. Um, and it's truly... It it is beautiful when it's at its best. It's it's a it's a gem in the heart of Medford. It's yeah. a, it's a it's an emerald, you know, in the heart of a city. It really is. Yeah. And and last year and and the last couple of years, I mean, it seems like uh, it rather than being uh, this this beautiful place where where families can go and and uh, enjoy. I mean, I used to take my kids bike riding mm -hmm. and, and stuff there. Um, now all of a sudden, uh, boy. Uh, you don't. You just don't see like as many female joggers and and things like that. You don't that. see you know, families singles. down there at you all. You certainly anymore. don't see families yeah. down there. And um, and so and then then the last couple of years we've seen like um, forest fires. Shoot, we've lost almost entire communities mm -hmm. due to mm -hmm. fires that that kind of crept up along the the greenway there as well. Absolutely, the number of fires that uh, Medford Fire Department responded to were over fifty percent of all the fire calls in twenty twenty. I believe wow. were man made fires along the greenway. Wow! 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 So, so here we've got this beautiful thing in Southern Oregon. This thing that. Um, that really, you know, represents us. And, and what we're doing is we're just allowing this group of people to live in a way that's outside of community standards. It's destructive to the community. And, uh, and it's, it's all happening right there. I mean, what do you... <laughs> Tell me, I mean, what, what do you? I, you kind of sit there and you're just dumbfounded about why in the world would a community allow this? Well, and that was part of the reason I started the Facebook page. Was yes, driving down the freeway one day and seeing this area called Paradise, which was the the phrase coined by the the population that lived in this large open field along I five. Right, and it was 
50, 60 tents. It was huge. And it yeah. was mountains of trash and stolen bikes and, and just dramatic, you know, chaos and, and decay. Ugh. And I, I was... I was dumbfounded. I'm like, how have we allowed this to happen? Why aren't we doing something about this? Yeah. And why isn't anyone talking about it? Right. Which was part of my my struggle with it was this is in front of everybody's eyes. Yeah. Anybody who drives through downtown sees it. Anybody who drives I-5 sees it. Yeah. Anybody who uses either north or south Medford exit sees this. Yeah. And nobody is saying anything about it. Well, the thing the thing is, is I hear people saying things about it, but usually they're the the, the loudest people seem to be the people that are kind of like you know they they they're the ones that would try and shut everybody down if you actually said something rational about it. You know, I mean, they're yeah. the ones that they're you know they're the ones that are going to frame you as cruel and heartless to you know uncaring to people, poor victims of circumstance, right. you know, and everything. Which is not at all who we're talking about here. We're talking no. about people with who are intentionally urban camping. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, it's, it's easiest uh, thing. And and they're wagging their finger at the rest of society like it's everybody else's fault. And I'm like, well, yeah, four years ago, though, I didn't see this stuff. Right. Where, where were they 10 years ago, 20 years ago? If, you know, this didn't just, I mean, this it, it kind of happened overnight, but it didn't happen overnight. It wasn't always with us. Right. And... And it's guys like you and me who've been around Southern Oregon for a long time. And I'm sure that there are people in L.A., in Portland, in Seattle, in, you know, in San Francisco that are kind of that, that would kind of go, you know what? This is kind of, you know, happening. Or right. We feel the same way. I mean, we don't have the Bear Creek Greenway, but we've seen this just shift. The that, entire West Coast is beset by massive amounts of uh, urban camping. Yeah. I mean, just yeah. just immense amounts in the larger cities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The you know, one of the things that you know, you and I have talked, you know, a bit on this and I've been really um stunned is the lack of environmental concern uh, of all this. Now, I read a LA Times study um uh you know, something that they reported, they didn't do the study, but it they they had uh reported on it. I think it was I think it was in 2020, talking about 2019, but it, it may have been 2020. Uh, it said something like 80% of the of the wildfires that uh, were affecting California were started by homeless camps, verifiably started wow. from you know started in a homeless camp, and um, and and I know that for the last probably four years, summertime has just become you're taking that into consideration that you know I'm not going to be able to breathe right in the, in our community come right. late August absolutely absolutely I mean what this is where is everybody how come how come you're not having all, all, you know uh, environmentalists coming over and going yes Bear Creek let's clean it up last year Medford had the worst air in the nation for an extended period of time wow I mean like by 10 times the amount of particulate matter in the air due yeah. to fires. Yeah. And it's not just the fires. It's the, the, the medical waste, the, the needles, the human waste, oh. the trampling of the, the underbrush. We have a lot of ground-dwelling birds along the Greenway, geese sure. and ducks and et cetera, that, that, that nest along the Greenway that are getting run out mm. or eaten or whatever. We have endangered coho salmon. 
finally returning to the Greenway over the past five or six years, yeah. who are now subjected to literally porta potties placed over the creek, uh, bucket bucket bathrooms basically, yeah. yep, on platforms over the creek that the the population is using to That's relieve crazy. themselves. Crazy, yeah. We got a picture. Uh, I think the guys got put up here from uh, from the Bear Creek Greenway project site that you had there. Uh, this is a this is a salmon. This is a a coho salmon strapped to fencing. Now, this wasn't eaten. It's not being smoked no. uh, or anything for, for, for food. It, this is something that somebody decided, hey, I know what we'll do. We'll... Um, hey, look, a fish. Let's kill it. Let's, let's kill it and let's hang it, you know. And, and even if it was already dead, a dead salmon plays into the ecosystem of, of the whole salmon, you know, repopulation and everything. I mean, everything that eats a dead fish is something that eventually gets eaten by a big fish, you right. know, and, and everything. So, um, I mean, the amount of trash that we're seeing is... Metric tons. Metric tons. Metric tons. We did a... Um, just two years ago, I, I had... Uh, one of my organizations do a neighborhood cleanup where we did mm-hmm. two city blocks from here at the, at the mission here. We did a cleanup. Um, we pulled out, I want to say 35 or 38, um, 55 gallon contractor bags of trash within two city blocks of our, of, of the mission here. Um, and, and just unbelievable amounts of trash. And what was terrifying is is we've got little gilbert creek that runs right next to it which i've seen steelhead in and and Mm -hmm. and all kinds of things um and you you'll pull out blankets and sleeping bags and and bucket you know uh commodes commodes. yeah yeah (laughs) and 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 drug needles and and all this stuff that just gets pulled out and this isn't hyperbole i you know that's the thing i mean you know i you can't overstate this mess. No, no. I mean, literally, they, they fill up multiple 64-yard uh, dumpsters. dumpsters every time they do a cleanup in Medford. Unbelievable, unbelievable. And this is the thing that I just don't get, you know, is, is why, why does, why, there, is a, there are people who seem to think that, you know, they, they want to go, well, yeah, but you guys should just go out and clean it up. And I'm like, why well, didn't make the mess? Right. I didn't make the mess. I mean, I know somebody's got to clean it up, but why aren't we? Why isn't there some kind of a uh, a work, a forced work site or something where if you're if you're camping, you should be forced to clean this stuff up. Yeah. And and the problem is is that there's a cost involved in managing that and running all of that, and where's it going to go? And a lack of accountability in the population. Utter a lack of, account- of yeah. accountability. You know, and and really. This goes, you know, again, we talk about, uh, talk about, you know, things that spin off of ideas uh, for you and I. Um, a lack of accountability to the people, from, from the people who are giving this stuff away, mm-hmm. you know, that, um, I mean, first of all, these things that we're seeing, 80% of the stuff that we saw picked up came from taxpayer-funded stuff 
that was that was you know getting picked up around here your tax dollars and mine being given away by by uh you know community action groups and right. and um you know and and different uh government sourced and funded uh, things and if they're government funded, Fair. that means that that means you and I paid for it. That right. means that you right. and me and everybody watching paid for this stuff that Absolutely. that pays their taxes, and and we paid for this stuff to be thrown into, incessantly thrown into these piles that never get smaller. Mm-hmm. And and I mean, how many cleanups did you guys? Even do last last year along the Bear Creek Greenway. Uh, they were basically once a week for the entire summer. Wow! And they've come back. You know, obviously the holidays put a put a stop to things and staffing right. issues and you know numerous issues caused a slowdown in the cleanups. Yeah. But most of the spots that were actually very much enjoyable again to the general public are just atrocious now again yeah. right in the heart of downtown medford oh. and it's it's you know it's, i i don't blame the local government right. i i blame the people who are allowing this and encouraging this yeah you know they there are the reality is that homeless camps don't pop up where there aren't resources to help sustain them correct and you know the hawthorne park 10th Street footbridge areas are where some of these groups set up camp. They actually use them as their business addresses online, you know. Right. Um, and so that's why we see these camps pop up in, in paradise because it's walking distance to the park. Right. You know, it's close. Driving up here today, uh, once I got out of Medford, yep. I didn't see any camps along the Greenway. I didn't see any camps along the Rogue River. I didn't see because... There are no resources there. Right, it's right. Too so far away for just them. Just like to... the old pictures of, like uh, you know, travelers in the desert, you know, coming to the oasis where there's a, where there's shade and right. water and all this kind of stuff, and then they tent camp around all that. So same thing's happening, right? Absolutely. Yeah, they're so. they're going to where the resources are. Right. And one thing I learned uh, when I first started the page was that the the I don't know if it's the most recent point in time count, yep. which is the count that the government does or the government contracts out yep. to to estimate the the population of homeless people in a given it's done area. Every January, in fact, it's, we're due for another one right now. Yeah, so, yeah. So that point in time, and this was just after the Alameda fire. Okay, okay. That point in time count suggested that. Over 30% of the homeless population had zero ties to the Rogue Valley yeah. six months prior to the, the Alameda fire. Yep. So we created and some much-needed resources for people who were victims of that fire. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. But it was so loosely governed and so haphazardly handed out right. that these people discovered, hey, we can get a free hotel room for as long as we need it. We yeah. can get, you know, free supplies. We can get food every day at this yep. park. We can get, and 30% of the homeless population was estimated to be from out of the area yeah. at that point in time. Same same kind of thing happened uh, in Josephine County when, you know, when we had uh, folks getting help at the fairgrounds here. And, and uh, I knew, because I work among the homeless mm-hmm. and everything, I knew homeless people here in, in on this side of town that all moved over to that side of town because 
because everybody was handing out all kinds of free stuff. Yep. And, um, and so these guys were just draining off all of those free resources right. that were really intended to help people who are victims of the fire. Absolutely. And, and everything. And we noticed, we noticed even in our population, um, in our resident population, that we've had a shift. It used to be about 90% of the people that, that we served here, um, even five years ago, 90% of them were from Josephine County. Mm-hmm. Um, and those that weren't from Josephine County were from Jackson County or Douglas right. County or something. Um, and uh, and now uh, I'd say maybe half um, half really? are from Josephine County. The other half are from outside the area. Um, and you're just going, what in the world? Again, is happening. Well, what's happening is you create an oa- oasis, and mm-hmm. so they're coming to where the resources are. Hopefully, you know, when they're coming here at the mission, they're coming because they understand. Well, we're not playing around, man. And I they mean, want. I'm, I'm yeah. only serious. You know, you're only welcome here if you're planning on getting out of homelessness. And if, there's a desire to get out. Right. Yeah. If you if you don't want to do that, then you're wasting our time, and we, we don't want to waste yours either. You right. know. I mean, if you're just looking for handouts, this isn't the place for it. Go Absolutely. find that somewhere else. You know. Yeah. Well, and we we were talking previously about the billions of dollars being spent in metropolitan areas: L.A., Seattle, Portland. Yep. You know, San Francisco. It's an billion. It's a it's a government cottage in. Industry, Absolutely. You know, with, with bureaucracies all developed around it. And you have, I mean, take a look, you know, at the 990s for, for any of the help organizations that are, that are supposedly helping. Just find out what they get paid. Find yeah. out what their, top, what their top officers get paid. Right. Um, they make a lot of money. You know, I mean, if you want a six-figure income, you know, go, go to work for one of these agencies, you know, that are government-funded and government-supported. Check the Gospel Rescue Mission if you want, you know, and check, check what we make by comparison. I mean, and that's not a complaint. Right. That's saying that we just do things efficiently here, and we're not into it for the money. We're into it to get people out of homelessness. And, and granted, it's a management challenge. It's a management, you know, it takes a lot to do all that stuff. But when you've created an organization that's job is just to hand out government monies, you know, is to just hand out, and, and we, we frame them in things in, with, with phrases like harm reduction or, um, or low barrier or, or these kinds of things. Um, and, there, and what that equates to is, I don't know, I think, I think uh, San Francisco, City of San Francisco spends over $3 million a year on needles, free yeah. needles, yeah. drug needles, that little kids have to step over as they're going to their preschool, yeah. you know, with their preschool classes. Scattered like all along the Greenway. Yeah. Same way, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and it, I have friends who are doctors, and this is not a slight on doctors, but sure. our, in America, we don't necessarily have a healthcare industry. Right. We have a sickness industry. Yeah. They don't get, you know, farm, farm, big pharma doesn't get rich if we're not taking their meds. Yeah, yeah And. True. The same thing happens with the homelessness industry. If there aren't homeless people, they don't have a product. Well, you know, and this is the funny thing. So we were also referencing earlier conversations um, talking about the the HUD 10-year plan to end homelessness that mm-hmm. that started in I think it was in 2007 when they when when they originally posted it um, and then they forced every county in the nation that if you want um, if you want resources on this 
Uh, if you want our federal resources for, for this, for dealing with homelessness, you have to create a 10-year plan to end homelessness. And you can check them out. Um, in Josephine County, it was pulled off, but I may actually post theirs, repost theirs, because I, I, be to to, I happen to have uh, pulled it off their website when they still had it up, when they still had it up on their website from 2010, 2011. Uh, Josephine County is still up from 2014. You Type in, if you're looking online, type in 10-year plan to end homelessness. And then just ask yourself a question. Okay, now, if I was going to build a business, and I'm asking for a loan to get that business built, and I say, here's, what I have a, here's my 10-year plan for success in my business to have my business paid off. If in five years I, had, I could say all I've done is maybe 10% affected my goal, um, do you think that they'd still be okay with me continuing out with the, they wouldn't, they wouldn't keep, yeah, keep right. funding me. Right. And if, and if it in 10 years, if I had actually seen a reverse of my goal, I think that you're going to end up with, uh, I mean, I, in the, in the nation, I think we're down maybe like 14% or something like right. that in, in homelessness. The, the West coasts are up, the heartlands down, uh, the East coast, there's some places that are up and, and everything. Um, they're all moving to the places that are implementing these give stuff out for free. Multi-million dollar plans to to build and buy apartments and hotels. Yep, they're buying. So what they're doing is they're buying up public lands, things that are, could be business or perfectly good business mm-hmm. properties and everything where where and small businesses that are, are revenue are, generators, are the revenue yeah. generators, yeah. actual tax generators. They're buying this all up, and then they're. And, and, and here's the thing, and nobody's holding them accountable. No. You said in 10 years you were going to end homelessness. You're a liar. Well, and, you and, know. and what, what sort of business would go to a bank to get financing yeah. if the goal was to put yourself out of business in 10 years? Right. Eh, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, so. no, you're right. Well, and now with 110's funding not being sent to actual treatment centers and treatment programs, but it's going to these ancillary uh, fringe organizations who are, you know, harm reduction agencies and, and risk mitigation, you know, whatever. Right. Man, there's a, there's a whole new level of, of money flowing into sleeping bags and tents. That's very, very true. Well, look, man, you and I could talk forever and I'd love to have you back again. Um, because I totally, you know, I mean, we're, we're two guys singing the same song. You know, um, and harmonizing. I think. I hope. Anyways, we both kind of got baritone, baritone based things. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, well, man, I really appreciate you coming on. It's been you a know, pleasure. for for people who might want to find the Bear Creek Greenway Recovery Project. It's Greenway Recovery Project on Facebook. On yeah. Facebook. Yeah. Check it out. It's worth looking at. Uh, you'll learn a, a whole bunch about what's going on in our area. Maybe you're watching and you go, you know, we've got a project just like that in our location. Uh, send a link to it. And you know what? We'll, we'll get a chance to maybe highlight what's going on in your neighborhood. And feel free to message us images of of. Camps that are impacting you. Yeah. You know, we provide email addresses for city administrators who are directly in touch with the, the uh, livability team. Fantastic. You know, people who can help mitigate some of the problems for the, for the public. And, uh, you know, we have, we post uh, email addresses for the city council and That's the great. mayor. Good. So you, your voice can be heard. That's great, man. That, that is great. Well, that's, that's, uh, that's exactly what we're trying to get people to see. You know, you can be a part of this. Your voice can be heard, and we can solve this problem 
um, and, and at least get us going back in the right track. Next up, we're going to have an interview with Linda and Manny uh, as we are uh, just talking about and celebrating the, the success of one of our ladies from the Fixo Family Center here at the Gospel Rescue Mission. Check it out. I was disgusted with myself already. I was disgusted at the fact that I had no control over my life anymore. It was not. It was all me getting my next fix. Okay. Well, I want to thank everybody for joining us again for uh, another great interview here at the Gospel Rescue Mission, and I have the fantastic opportunity of visiting with my friends, Linda and Manny. Oh, buddy. <laughs> we, are, uh, we are just celebrating uh, with Linda what is going to be her, is this, this today your last day? No, well, no, tomorrow. Tomorrow? We'll be moving over the weekend. All right. All right. If you get lonely, you can come stay with us some more. It's okay. For those of you who've been kind of maybe following along with our uh, videos and whatnot, you may remember that Shauna and Linda and I all sat down and uh, and visited with you not too long after you arrived, I guess, right. you know, and, and um, tell everybody, you know, a little bit about like, when did you check into the mission? It was in March. March of yep. this year? Yep. And was, so March of 2021. 2021. Okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, at that time, um, you, you were pregnant mm -hmm. with this young man. And um, you had just, you'd been spending some time up on the hill camping, you know, on the other side of the freeway, right? Right. Goodness when I met you, I mean, you were in a wheelchair mm -hmm. with an ankle that was broken. Yeah, I had surgery while I was here. So what drove you to come here? I mean, tell me about, like, first of all, tell me, how'd you end up in the woods? Um, we, were, we had been evicted um, a few days before Christmas, the year, so 2020. Okay. And so we had nowhere to go, and we didn't want to be in, in, in town. Yeah. We really wanted to be far from people. Okay. Where, you know, it was, you know, there's just a lot going on downtown. Yeah. There's a lot of drugs. There's a lot of drinking. There's a lot of fighting. There's just a lot of craziness going on with the homeless right now. Yeah. And we just wanted to be, just do us. Yeah. And be it's safer, I, you know. I wasn't even pregnant at the time, but yeah. still, it was just the best for us was to be by ourselves up on how, the mountain. How long were you out there? Um, we we went up there soon because I knew of that. I, that's when I first came to Grants Pass. That's where I went because I prefer to be away from people. <laughs> so um, I already knew of that spot. It was. A great spot. It was safe. Nobody ever comes up there, but hikers, and they're nice. So, okay. so I already knew about it. And when we got evicted, I was like, I know where we're going. We're going up to the BLM land where nobody will bother us. So that's right. where we went, and um, we were up there until so December of 2020. 
until March of 2021, and that's when I came here. Okay. And um, so you, you know, that's a long time to live in a tent. So that's a long time, right. you know, and, and uh, you know, having to haul food and water up the mountainside, all that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah, yeah. goodness. It's tough. And um, along the way, you become pregnant. Right. Along the way, climbing after being pregnant, going up and down that hill, you roll your ankle in a nasty way. Right. Yep. I tore the the ligament in the ankle, my um, right ankle, and I needed surgery. And that's how I got here. <laughs> yeah. So, so what's a poor pregnant homeless girl to do uh, with a broken leg? Go to the mission. <laughs> Go to the mission. Go to the mission. You know, I, I remember talking to you shortly after you came, and, and um, it's a pretty emotional time for you, you know, and pretty scary, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and um, tell, tell me stuff that, you know, uh, I always ask, you know, what was something really hard about staying at the mission? Hmm. I guess so many different personalities, and yeah. I'm, an, I'm an introvert. And I'm a, a loner, and I don't, I've never really done people well. And, but it was, it was that the different personalities getting used to. Not everybody's going to get, be on the same page. Yeah. Um, some people have attitudes, and some don't. You know, it's just conflicting personalities, I guess I would say. It's, you know, it's funny because um, we, I, I think that's a, I think that's a common thing among homeless people, frankly. Uh, I think it's one of the things that drives people to homelessness is, is kind of that social, awkward socially a little bit and everything like that. But I got to tell you, sis, <laughs> I would never have guessed that you felt at all, you know, socially awkward or anything like that. I mean, you, you seem to fit right in. <laughs> you have taken on a leadership role among the residents here, I think, admirably. Um, I, you know, I, I just, I don't know anybody that's not rooting for you. Thank you. And, cool. uh, and I, I think you've done amazing. And, um, so, you know, stay here. It's, it's awkward with people. It's awkward. You know, is there, has there been anything in your stay that surprised you about like when you, when you were like thinking about coming to the mission versus when you came to the mission, you go, that was a little surprising. I wasn't expecting that. To to get so close to people and to make friends that I truly believe I can have, like, lifelong. Because I, from experiences in the past, I've never really had real genuine friends. They usually want something or, you know, True. it's not... You know how when they say when something happens, you know who your real friends are? Mm -hmm. I never had real friends. Oh, okay. Was, I was always there for them, but then when I needed them to be there for me, they weren't. And I found here, and it was so, I never knew that people could like me like that. Like, it was people that genuinely, they care about me. Yeah. Here, you know, so I was just like, wow. And that's one of the things that, I love yeah. that I, w I actually found some really beautiful, great people that I, I want to always have in my life. 
Like, right. I don't want to, just because I live here, I don't, you know, yeah. plan on. You spent yeah. a bit of time together now. And, and, mm-hmm. and, yeah, you guys shared a lot of tears together, watched a lot of ups and downs together. Right. You've had a baby together right. with all these <laughs> folks, you know, and stuff. That's pretty mm-hmm. awesome, huh? That's, yeah. uh, that's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, something's recently happened in your, in, your, uh, in your life. Tell me a little bit about what's recently happened that's causing this departure. Um, I'm, I'm going to be moving out. Yeah? yeah. To, well, I mean, you got you get your own place? Yes. You gotta, okay. Yeah, a yeah. one-bedroom <laughs> apartment. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. It's, it's pretty so awesome. Cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's that's exactly what we would want for you, you know, to be able to have your own place and, mm-hmm. and, and everything. Um, well, congratulations. I Thank mean, you. We're going to miss you. And, uh, and uh, you know, I hope you know your our doors are always open to you and you're always welcome to come back. And you don't have to come back as a resident. You can come back as just a friend. Right. Awesome. Okay? That's good. Well, um, we think about, like, What's the future, do you think, looks like for, for you? What do you, what do you got plans for? Well, we've talked about this before. I still want to do, I, I want to do the peer support thing. Cool. So um, my case manager with options, mm-hmm. she already spoke to, there's another lady at options that helps you with school. So mm-hmm. I was already going to RCC before I got evicted. Well, we ended up on the mountain. I used to go to RCC. Well, I'm going to be going back. So I get okay. to go back to school. Okay. And then um, I want to do some peer support. I think it's a great idea. I think you'd yeah. be great at that. Thank you. So, so um, for those that don't, maybe don't know what peer support is, can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, it's pretty much um, be helping with resources and things like that. It, it's there's more to it than that. Like I got really close to my peer support. Um, she was awesome. She would. Um, we would do groups. We would. She would. She would counsel me. It's not the thing to counsel, but she did help me out because I could share everything with her. Sure. It wasn't just um, taking me out into the community and letting me know what what help I could get out there. It was her sharing experiences with that she's gone through because there is the addiction aspect, and sure. I am. I guess um, I've been clean for. How many years has it been now? Well, since 2013, I don't even count anymore. I just haven't. I was addicted to heroin. Okay. Wow. And I, that was my thing. And um, I've been clean since 2013. That's fantastic. So, How did you get clean when you when you when you stopped that? I mean, was it just kind of a cold turkey thing? Yes, yeah. it was. It was. Um, there was a lot of things going on. I was avoiding my family because I didn't want them to see me that way. Sure. It was shame. It was embarrassment. Um, they didn't deserve that. So I was avoiding my family a lot. Okay. And, um, well, my mom, I, it wasn't just my mom talking to me, but that was like she just cried and she said that they needed me and that I needed to stop. Yeah. It was pretty much that. I had already gotten pretty... I was disgusted with myself already. I was disgusted at the fact that I had no control over my life anymore. It was not. It was all me getting my next fix. How, how long were you? How long did you use? For about a year, a year and a half. Okay. Okay. 
And yeah, it was hard. So yeah. And it was a cold turkey thing. It was like that moment. She was just like she talked to me. And and if and it, I I think if if nobody had told me we need you to stop and and show that concern and that they, they cared and care yeah, I probably would have kept. Even True. though I was disgusted and I was tired of, oh, I have to every morning get up and I got to do this and I got to do that. And I'm, I really feel that that was what I needed. Yeah. I needed someone to say, stop, you're loved, and this is no good. And, Boy, that's good. And from that moment, because I, I, I have to admit, I'm pretty strong-willed. Yeah. So if, if I make you a live, decision... You live for a year in a tent on top of a hill. You right. know, I mean, that's, that, that, that takes a little bit of uh, strong will to be able to... Do that, right. yeah, and and you walked into a gospel rescue where you limped into a gospel right. rescue mission, but uh, but you did it. That also takes a lot of strong will, right. you know. Yeah, well, uh, we're glad that you know we know you that way, and and that uh, and you, that we get to be a part of the the celebration of your recovery and and all of that stuff. Um, right. You know, it's that it can be done. That's amazing. So you're gonna you're hoping to be part of a, a peer support specialist, which would right. be somebody who comes alongside uh, other people struggling with addiction and and recovery and 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 not necessarily addiction and recovery, but primarily it seems like that's what they 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 focus on. But you you come at it from like a lot of peer support people coming at right. it from a position of. I've been where you are. I've right. walked through these things, you know, and I and I know, huh? Right. Yeah. I've pretty much been through it all. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Imagine that you're you're talking to another girl who's who this is your first peer support moment. Here you go. So you're talking to another girl who's who's um who's maybe watching this video on, on her cell phone. You know, on on a hillside, you know, in a in a tent, and it's maybe not absolutely miserable, but it's just like maybe a half step above absolute misery, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know, and she's thinking about, you know, well, maybe I should consider the gospel rescue mission. What would you tell her? I would tell her that's the best thing for her. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It is. It's very. It's very beneficial. If you like, I've said before, if you stick it out, yeah, and you're gonna get a lot out of it. Yeah. If you know, I, unfortunately, not a lot of people last. Yeah. It. I've recently seen literally a day. Yeah. So I mean, if if you really want to change, if you want change in your life, if you want to make the effort, yeah, then it's you. You'll benefit from the program. And, you know, unfortunately, not everyone is ready for the change. I mean, they might say, oh, I want out of this, or I want, for, at that moment, they're like, I'm over this, I want change. But once they get there, they're like, oh, no, I don't want this, and I don't want to do this chores, and I don't want this, and I want to smoke my cigarettes, and I want to get high. And so it doesn't work. Change, for change to happen, you actually got to do you got to change, right? Right. Yeah. I it's mean, not it's, easy. Yeah, we got to do something different than what we were doing before. And it's not easy, but it's good. Right. Yeah, it's good. I mean, you definitely would say life's better today than it was, you know, in March of this year. Oh, um, definitely. You know, or, or any time earlier, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Well, hey, congratulations. Thank you know, you. I, I want you to know we love you um, and just really want to see good things for you. Um, you know, I know everybody that's had a, a hand in uh, the walk, walking with you along the way, you know, uh, from my wife or, or um, Monica. I mean, we've all just felt like a total honor to walk with you. And awesome. uh, we've you. we've loved it. And Connie over at the thrift store or whatever, you know, I mean, just we've all enjoyed getting to know you and, and count you into our family of friends, you know, Thank and, you. and, uh, and we just want to, you know, celebrate with you and pray for you and, Thank and, you. uh, ask for good things for you. Awesome. If, if you're watching this, you know, if somebody's watching this right now and, and just going, you know, man, um, I want to be a part of what's going on. I, I would say, start by this. When you pray, would you pray for Linda and Manny and, and ask for God's blessing on their lives um, and pray for the Gospel Rescue Mission, for those people who come here who are looking for something, but they're not sure what. They're not sure if they have the, the wherewithal to do that thing of, of leaving their past behind them. Um, pray for us and pray for us that, uh, that we would do well by them and that they would be really ready to come in here and pray for this young man <laughs> and he'll grow into a, a fine man that serves the Lord and, and uh, honors his mama and, uh, and all of those things. And again, thank you for uh, watching us another time here at the Gospel Rescue Mission. Pray for Linda and Manny as well. That is, they are so sweet, and uh, what a great opportunity we've had to talk with them. Today, we are talking about our book review again, which is from The Tragedy of American Compassion um, by Marvin Olasky. Let me read the, the back, another piece of encomia here. From, uh, from, let's see, we'll do uh, Dr. Tony Evans says, a must read for people who want to understand and help correct the plight of hurting people. Um, it's fantastic. I, I want to actually open it up and read to you a little section. This goes all the way back to America in the 1900s, um, 1800s, excuse me. Um, it says this, um, affiliation and bonding, categorization, categorization and discernment, em employment and freedom, and the seventh seal of the social covenant of the late 19th century was a relationship with God to all these things. So did you catch that? There was like a little acronym. There was AB, affiliation and bonding, CD, categor categorization and discernment, EF, Employment and Freedom, and G, which is God, says, uh, this is a quote, it says, true philanthropy must take into account spiritual as well as physical needs, one charity ma magazine proposed. Poverty will be dramatically reduced if the victim's appetites and lusts and idleness revere the precepts of the Bible and form habits of industry, frugality, and self-restraint. Pennsylvania State Charity Commissioners declared. So this is, this is the kind of stuff that was talked about in, in city governments in, at a national level, at a state level, um, going 
back over 300 years in the United States, The Tragedy of American Compassion. I highly recommend that, uh, that you read this. Now, I'm going to give you a little teaser um, that I often kind of tease the, the residents of the mission with, um, and that is I want you to know and think through the difference between somebody who cannot read and somebody who can read but doesn't, okay? What's the difference between somebody who cannot read and somebody who can read but doesn't? The answer is nothing, okay? So if you can read but you're one of those people that says, I haven't read a book since high school or since college, uh, I'm going to tell you, you're functionally illiterate. Literacy, part of what, what comes with literacy, the gift of literacy should be that we read every day. You should be thinking about the kinds of things that it's good for us to think about how or think through how other people think. Um, so read things that challenge you. Read things that stretch your mind. And uh, again, The Tragedy of American Compassion by Marvin Olasky. This will be probably the last... Uh, week that we point to that. I'll have another book for you next week. It's time now for our ministry spotlight. Hi, I'm Matt Heverly. I'm from Edgewater Christian Fellowship, and I'm the lead pastor. The primary goal of Safe Families is to help families that are struggling um, emotionally, physically, financially. Uh, we want to help them put their lives back together and be a safe place to raise their kids. So the focus is usually families that have trauma somehow and that trauma is being transferred to their children. And so we sometimes will have the kids hosted away from that family until that trauma is fixed. And then our whole goal is reuniting the kids with their family. Safe Families works by taking five healthy families and surrounding one family that is experiencing some kind of difficulty. And those five families gather around that family and provide hosting, meals, mentoring, coaching, the gospel, and they're walking with that one hurt family until it's healthy. So the book of Galatians says, do good unto all, especially the household of faith. Jesus was remind, remembered in Acts chapter 10. Peter's talking to Cornelius and he says, you remember Jesus, he went around doing good works. So a lot of times we forget that, that the gospel is for the whole person. So by helping families and showing them the love of Christ, it opens a door that we can share about the good news of Jesus Christ. It is so good to hear from Matt and the guys at Safe Families there. Thank you, Pastor Matt. Hey, now it's time for our final thoughts. So today, um, in our final thoughts, uh, we're going to kind of frame it by reading from, the pa from a passage of Scripture from the book of Proverbs, book of Proverbs chapter 5. And um, it says this, it says, A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. Treasures gained by wickedness do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. The Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but he thwarts the craving of the wicked. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent 
makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. The Bible has a lot of opinions uh, about people who are struggling with poverty, what leads to poverty, what leads out of poverty. And here we've got an example of um, kind of our path forward. I mean, really, uh, whether you're... um, whether you're Matt, uh, Pastor Matt over at, at Edgewater Christian Fellowship or the folks at the Pregnancy Care Center or your uh, Darren from Joe's Place or, or you know, all these people that are doing, putting good works uh, that are gospel-based and we're all trying, or even from the Gospel Rescue Mission, we're, we're trying to approach our spheres of, of um, expertise from a biblical worldview, the right answer to what's the solution to all of this? You know, we sit there and we look and we see the increases in our freeway exits of people camping. We see the problems in our parks. And what's the solution to this? And we would say that, well, the solution, first of all, isn't going to be nutshelled. You can't, you can't nutshell it into uh, a, a sentence. Um, or, or it's not a, um, it's not wrapped up in a, by a check or uh, a handout of cash or four walls in a building um, or anything. It's, it's living a life according to and consistent with the reality of the world that we live in. And the reality of the world that we live in is that it was created by God, okay, that God built and framed the world. And so, and then he gave us essentially uh, what, what works the same way as an owner's manual. He gave us his word, which tells us how to live in this world. And not only did he do that, but he also, he built a nation and he goes and shows you, here's the, here's the things that I did to help a nation build and succeed. And so he tells them how to live, how to live with each other, how to live and have the world um, respond well to you, how to live in uh, and have the planet respond well to you. And so having a biblical worldview is really, really important. And letting everything that we do, every step that we do, be guided by the whole counsel of Scripture. So we can't take any one passage out of its context, but we have to take all of Scripture together and, and let it inform how are we going to solve this problem. The problem of homelessness is a long road that has, it's a long road of, of sowing bad seed into a person's life, whether a person does it themselves or whether their family did it or their culture is doing it. And the, and the way out is to actually pluck whatever grows from that and get rid of it and put in the good seed. Let's start building people in in the way that they're created in the image of God. They have dignity, they have worth, they have uh, they 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 share the image of God. Um, and because of that, it's not okay for them to be not productive. It's not okay for them to to be um, living in squalor. It's not okay. They can do it. They can live in squalor and they can live non-productively, but it will produce bad results. And, and they need to reap the benefits of bad results if they insist on living that way. Um, on the other hand, if they live in a way that 
is a delight to their father and mother in a way that is, that is productive. Um, they will live in a way that leads to wealth and flourishing and doing good things. Um, it doesn't mean that they're all going to be rich, but it does mean that they will leave homelessness behind. We've got to get to that if we're going to deal with this, uh, if we're going to deal with the homeless issue in, in our nation. Hey, thank you so much again for taking the time to, to ride shotgun with me this morning uh, here at the Gospel Rescue Mission. Sure appreciate that you have uh, made time out of your day to, to follow uh, this program and, and all that we have going on. If you liked this, would you do this? A, a, subscribe. It's amazing how much subscribing to our channel actually helps us in getting our word and message out. Um, second is share it with a friend. Uh, certainly you can do that uh, either on Facebook or YouTube or Instagram or wherever your social media is uh, that you pay attention to. And uh, lastly, would you pray for us? Boy, we could really always use the prayers and support of people like you who really, uh, for whom this really resonates. And you might say, this is for me. I really like what you're saying. Uh, we want to address this in the public square this is how we're doing it right here on Mission Live every Monday from 9 to 10. Thanks for joining us.